Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. Alright everybody, welcome in here for the fourth installment of Delco Baseball Now with your host, Brendan Ricciardi. I'm sitting here on a lovely Friday morning here in Westchester, just getting ready for a busy weekend, both of Delco League Baseball and also wanted to give a quick shout out to a Beep Baseball tournament going on in Norwood Park. I wrote an article that you can check out on DelcoBaseballNow.com about it, but basically the gist of it is it is a type of baseball that was created for those who are blind or have a visual impairment to be able to keep playing baseball. And while I, I haven't seen it in person yet, I'm, I'm going to head over to Norwood Park Saturday morning to check it out. And it, it seems pretty pretty cool because, you know, all the players, no matter what level of visual impairment they have, they're blindfolded. So you're on an even playing field at that point. And once you get out there, the ball makes a noise. And so do the bases. There's two bases that kind of look like football tackling dummies and the pitcher and catcher are able to see so their goal is they're on the hitting team their goal is to have their hitters you know be able to hit the ball all by timing you know their their eyes are closed obviously so they're they're going off the pitcher saying kind of like ready set go and trying to throw the ball right down the middle basically like they're in the Phillies bullpen and you know it's 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 something that I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out in person because obviously the fielders are blindfolded too so they kind of just have to listen to where the ball is. And I don't know, I feel like it's it's kind of dangerous, but you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. So the Philadelphia Fire will be hosting this tournament against the Boston Renegades, uh, Long Island Bombers, and New Jersey Titans, I believe, are the other three teams. And so I think that's something that it's really cool, and it'll give you a unique perspective on just baseball in general and kind of how much people care and, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to keep playing. So go over and check that out if you can. All right, we'll get into a little bit of Delco League action here as well. Before we have our interview, we will be joined by Cole Peichel. He was the 2021 Delco Times Player of the Year. Helped win a Central League championship as well as a District 1 championship with Strathaven. And he's playing his college baseball at Dickinson. He's currently playing in the Palm Beach League down in Florida for the uh, for the Snowbirds, which is, which is an awesome team name. But we'll hear from him in a little bit. But before that, let's get into some Delco League action from Wednesday and Thursday.
So it's been a little bit since we have been on the air here due to the 4th of July weekend. I hope everybody had a nice time, whether you went down the shore, uh, down to Lake House, you know, whatever, just chilling at home like I was, just because, you know, limping around the bars in Westchester media isn't exactly high up on my list of uh, things to do, because I'm at the age where I'm 23 right now, still in college, because uh, I took a gap year, and it's like, everybody just wants to always move around, and I understand that, you know, people want to go from bar to bar, walk around, Just I just want to be parked in a seat, and not move from the entire night if I'm going to go out, and that, you know, that that happens occasionally, but it's, it's usually not at the top of the list, so I'll just stay in and, and watch the Phils, who, for some reason, didn't play on July 4th, I feel like that's, like, a, a tr- like, treasonous to not have the Phillies, or I think the Yankees didn't play either, so someone should be fired for that. All right, well, we were supposed to get back to action on July 5th on Tuesday, but Mother Nature had other ideas, so we'll get back to work on Wednesday here. We'll start off with the first game here. We had Wayne taking down Chester by a score of 7-5. to five. Now, that was an interesting game because Chester is a team that's played us for Wayne pretty well this year. They have had an interesting you know, season, like I had mentioned on the last show, where they're scoring a lot of runs, but the pitching isn't as good as it has been in the past. And when I saw the lineup card, I saw that former Taney Little League star Jared Spraglott was in the lineup for Chester at shortstop. And, you know, we saw the last name at first. We're like, is it him? Like, what is he doing, you know, playing here? Like, it was kind of random, you know. Um, the rumors were that he was in the Cape League and, and came back down here. But he went yard on, I believe, the second pitch of his at-bat and, you know, kind of set the tone for the game here. And Chester built up a bit of a lead. They were up 4-1 to one for a lot of the game. But, you know, like it's been all season for Wayne, they just never stopped never stopped chipping away and it it was a game that it it took so long because teams were getting guys on base and you know working deep counts and I believe we only played five innings and it was eventually a seven to five Wayne win Nate Sides had the big hit it was a tie game five five two outs bases loaded in the bottom of the fourth and first pitch smacks one the other way over the first baseman second baseman's head into right field two runs scored uh, so that was that was really the difference maker. But Jay Starnish is a guy I want to talk about for a little bit because he has been absolutely smoking the ball. He just graduated from Conestoga. He's going to be going to St. Bonnie's to play ball in the fall. He's currently hitting 560 on the season. He's got back-to-back three-hit games, and he missed a little bit of the season for senior week and uh, for traveling. And, and he just came back and didn't even didn't even skip a beat whatsoever. He's he's really established himself in this Wayne outfield where. where there's a lot of moving parts right now, but it, it, the one thing that's really interesting when you watch Jay's play is that every single ball he hits is a line drive, and it's low too. Like they're all, you know, it, it's it's a line like a lot of them will go in the outfield, but it's it's interesting to see that he doesn't really seem to hit good or bad. Doesn't really seem to hit that many fly balls, and I mean it's been working 100% this year, and and the dude can fly too, so. That's a good combination to have there uh, in that game. And on the mound in that game, Cam Mathis has continued another unbelievable performance for him. He's now sitting this season with an ERA of 2.6 coming off of his graduation at Villanova. He's been one of the main forces in the rotation. But because his start on Tuesday got skipped, he came out of the bullpen for David Ferguson, who was at Pitt this year. I believe he's going to Westchester next year. And... You know they they were able to to keep them in the game because it was a four to one deficit and they were able to just 
keep that you know to a minimum while the offense you know kind of found its footing against Chester starter Mike Anthony. But as a seven-five win for Wayne here, they improved thirteen and one on the season after that one, with Chester falling to four nine and two. All right, move on to another game here. It was the Springfield Colonials with an offensive outburst against the Marple Newtown Black Sox. They scored thirteen runs on a thirteen to four night here at Church Road Park. Some of the the main forces in the lineup here was Jimmy Kirk. Jimmy Kirk was a main guy in the lineup for Springfield last summer. He's a graduate of Malvern Prep who's at Millersville. And and I believe this was his first game of the season. And he raced base all five times. That's three hits, one of them being a double. He also had two walks. And, you know, head coach Steve Trainer's got to hope that he's around for a while because he's an absolute force in that lineup. And I think that when Springfield has every guy show up to their team, that they might have one of the best, if not the best, lineup from top to bottom in the league. Because you go around just looking at the infield. That's three Division One players right there. Jared Sweeney at third, Cole Palace at short, Sean Phelan at first, or Jimmy Kirk, who's a high-level D2 player at first. And then you got a couple of, you know, D1 or D3, you know, guys playing in the outfield. And now that you add in David Schumacher, that's a D1 pitcher. Andrew Cantwell just pitched in a D2 World Series. Mike Smith, you know, that's that's three lefties in a row that that teams are going to have to deal with. And I think that they, they've kind of shown on this six-game unbeaten streak that they're on, that they're for real. And this game, they, they got contributions from all over the board. They had 13 hits. Will Kelly had two. He is an Ursinus. I believe he just plays football there now. He went to play both. But I think that if I was the Ursinus coach, I'd, uh, I'd give him a call back after the type of season he's having. We also had Haverford School rising junior Connor Scanlon. He had two hits. He drove in two. And it was it was a good day. Reed Farrell. We're really building kind of that Springfield pen kind of like, you know, pipeline. There's four pen guys that play for, for that team. And, and I always kind of like when when those types of things happen, like Aston Valley and the Delaware guys, just because, I don't know, it's cool to see guys playing with players that they are going to play with or do play with at school and uh, and kind of keep that going. All right, that wraps up the Wednesday slate, Springfield 13, Marple 4, and then Wayne 7, Chester 5. We'll move on to Thursday here. And, you know, this, this game between Upper Darby and Marple is just the Delco League at its absolute peak. So this is a game where Marple Newtown and, and Upper Darby will fill in how we got there after, but it's 2-2 in the bottom of the seventh at Marple. So Marple has a chance. They got the winning run on second. They do not have a win yet this season, and they get the chance to drive them in, and they're held. They're held up in the bottom of the seventh by Frank Parati, and now we're playing extras. And I was following this game, and it was already like 8-20 at this point, so I kind of thought they were just going to call it a tie. But we get to the top of the eighth with Upper Darby needing to score a run to avoid you know getting a tie or, or being walked off. So they start off by having two straight strikeouts in the inning. And then they work a walk. And then next thing you know, well, we get a pinch hit opportunity. Well, who's getting the pinch hit in a big spot for Upper Darby head coach Dave Jordan? Well, it's Johnny Gonzalez, the 2021 Finals MVP, the 49-year-old pitcher, I might add. He was a hitter back in, you know, back in his prime, if you want to call it that. Personally, I'd call his prime last year, but he was he was a hitter and he got the opportunity to get his first at bat of the year. 
And what did he do? Well, he he hit a pinch hit game-winning double on the first pitch that he saw all season. Probably the first time in a couple years that he's gotten at bat for Upper Darby. And, you know, runner scores all the way from first, 3-2 Upper Darby. And then they're able to retire the side in the bottom. But I, I just, like, I sit here and I had to text Dave Jordan and Joey Supa and and ask i'm like hey like did someone mess up the game changer or did johnny actually get the chance to pinch hit and win the game and jordan just texted me back he said great managing secret weapon i'm like well he's not so secret anymore Uh, i remember last year in the finals for upper darby i i wasn't i was hitting okay like you know enough that i i deserved to stay in the lineup but also enough that if i got taken out it would have been like all right i understand and i remember johnny was like the potential option to come in at DH, and I'm sitting there like, all right, if you're going to take me out, that's fine, but <laughs> you're going to put in a, a pitcher, a 48-year-old at the time pitcher for me, and uh, l- thankfully they left me in and it worked out, but I- I'm just, I'm glad he's getting his opportunity to hit here, you know, it's not at my expense, but it's, it's a big win for Upper Darby, because that second place race, man, it's heating up, you know, it's it, this isn't meant to like get too cocky over in the Wayne Clubhouse right now, but we're playing good ball, and that's a, a neck-and-neck race at the moment for the second bye week, I'm not here to try and jinx anything. I'm not here to, you know, talk talk too much shit. But it, it's pretty much, you know, as of right now, a comfortable lead that they could, once again, it could go away at any time. But I'm, I'm kind of just going off of what's right in front of me. And what's right in front of me is a heated race that has the 9-5 and five Blue Sox and the 10-5-1 and one Colonials, you know, battling out for what is a very important spot getting that bye week. And those two teams will face off for the fourth time this Saturday, 1 o'clock at O'Hara. Springfield has took the first three meetings. So at this point, Springfield already has the tiebreaker. So if that, you know, if, if that scenario happens where they tie to end the year, well, Springfield's going to get that tiebreaker. And they can really go a long way in locking that up with a win on, on Saturday in this game. All right, our other game of the day here was another thriller. We'll go back to Springfield here that we were just talking about. They took on Narberth at Church Road. We had a 9-9 tie in that game. It was a game where Narberth found themselves up 6-0, and they were up 9-6 in the top of the last inning. So the the Springfield Colonials were not necessarily expected to win this game, but they they just kept battling. And I was actually watching the end of this game because along with Wayne Springfield has started to live stream their games on game changer as well, which is awesome because it kind of gives more context. You know, I hate kind of just trying to follow game off the box score because it really doesn't tell like the full story of what happened. So in this game, we'll fast forward here into the, the bottom of, I believe it was the sixth because I don't think they were able to know that. Yeah, it was the bottom of the sixth. They had the bases loaded, one out, leading 9-7. to seven. And fast forward in the inning, there's two outs now. Cole Palace drew a full count walk. So now you got bases loaded, down one, two outs, and a wild pitch happened where Johnny Fleeter was able to come in to score. So just like that, it's a 9-9 to nine game. And then Dylan Can was able to get Will Ferris to strike out, looking to call the game after six innings and end in a 9-9 to nine tie. But... Just an absolute thriller, and it's another tough luck game for the Mudcats, who have dropped a couple in a row, and now we're, we're so close to getting back on the, the win column here, and they're going to have to settle for a tie, which I'm sure they're not thrilled about, but at least at least they didn't have that type of you know blown lead result in a loss. It's, it's a league where you get a point for a tie 
and I know nobody wants to hear that, but it's it's still better than zero. So 9-9 game here. We had a big day from Cole Palace, just mentioned uh, our pen guy and, and Sean Phelan. Cole had a bases-clearing triple. He also drove in another run as well. Sean Phelan drove in a run. Connor Scanlon once again. Will Ferris and then Gabe Encarnacion had two hits for Springfield. And going over to Narberth, Paul Kokel, new addition to the team this year. He was on the Black Sox last year. Switching over to the Mudcats, he was two for three, drove in three runs. Zach Tropiano, a Springfield high school guy, was able to knock, uh, excuse me, have, have two hits. Ryan Cochran, Lehigh commit from Malvern Prep, he was one for two. He also had a walk. He drove in a run. He scored two runs. So really, really a nice offensive showing for for both teams in this game to to really put on a thriller and and to make the standings a lot more complicated with with the tie there. All right, uh, I will wait for the standings recap until the episode. I'm planning on having one come out probably like Sunday night or Monday morning to kind of talk about uh, the weekend games. We have another interview that I'll I'll keep uh, I'll keep a secret for now to build the suspense, but that'll wrap up our Delco League talk for the week here. So let's get into our interview and welcome on Cole Peichel. All right, we are now joined by Cole Peichel, an alum of Strathaven High School who currently plays for Dickinson University. Joining us from the Collegiate League of Palm Beach down in Florida, playing for the Palm Beach Snowbirds. How are things going down there, man? Thanks for joining. Um, I mean, not bad. I'm, so I'm training at Cressy. I've been doing that for about a month and a half. Um, it's, going, it's going really well. My body's feeling really good. And I'm just, like, learning a ton, honestly, just, like, about exercises and how they affect my body and, like, why I should move this way. So, like, it's been a really good summer, like, knowledgeable-wise, but also um, a good summer for baseball. Like, my team – my team's, like – all right the competition's good down there like we're good there's some definitely some dogs on each team but like my team it's i don't want to say it's a burden pitching for them but kind of is so what's the competition like down there is it mostly d3 guys or is it kind of all over the place uh it's all so it's a lot of like um it depends on the team honestly like a lot of juco guys um most of the guys come down for Cressy. So there's like some like division one guys, like there's one team that has like a bunch of like Georgia tech, Georgia Southern guys. So there's definitely some good competition down there. I don't see a lot of D three guys, but it's mostly like D one Juco D twos. And them all of them are just kind of correlated around Cressy, which is like good. It like helps us bond as a team because we're all just like meeting there after the game pretty much. But yeah, there are definitely some guys who will run it up to like the, low to mid nines you'll see some guys at some nukes but i mean it's, it's definitely a good league can you explain kind of what cressy is because i think i have like a general understanding but i'm not exactly sure so have you you've heard of driveline right i have yeah it's pretty much like it's like on the same tier as that pretty much it's based around just it's based around baseball like athletically trying to get better um lifting wise but then also baseball wise like you'll see you see the facility, you'll see um, pro guys there. You'll see college guys there that play at power five. You'll see, but then you'll see like guys like me, like D3 guys. And then like, you'll go off and outside the facility, you'll walk out 
and they got a full like turf area for throwing and like infield work. And then they also got like clay mounds and batting cages. They had literally everything. And so like some of the names that like, came out of there, like Shohei's worked out there, like Verlander's worked out there. Like it's, it's like definitely some top tier stuff. So now that it appears you are just a pitcher at this point, unfortunately, what is like the time commitment that you have to give in both, you know, on your starting days and not on your starting days? Yeah. So the two way, the two way uh, life died. Definitely. Uh, my coach wasn't the biggest fan of that when I came in, but who knows? You can come back. Um, so right now I'm just training as a PO. And so like the day in the life is like, I'll wake up. And so the training takes me a while. Like training wise will probably be three to four hours in the gym. Just like it's so extensive, uh, like even the warm up, it takes me an hour and a half because it's so extensive to like each player. They give you so many things that you can work on to better yourself. And so it will take me like three or four hours. And so I'll do that. I'll wake up, eat breakfast, go lift for three or four hours, go make lunch, come home. And then if we have a game, I'll go like watch um, or so I'll go to the beach a lot. Honestly, it's like 15 minutes away. So my body's like dead by the end of the day, but like it's a good dead kind of like the workouts make you feel good. So it's like a, not a super busy day down here, but you'll definitely be super tired at the end of the day. And then like game days, like I'll wake up, go to the game, pitch, do my routine before I pitch, stuff like that, leave. And then we'll all go to Cressy after and lift there. So those are more like compact. Those are like the longer days where I'm playing baseball for like six hours or I'm around baseball for six or seven hours. So that's the, those are the most like tolling on the body. You got to imagine it's a uh, pretty toasty down there too, right? Yeah, it's definitely different from freaking Delco. We can tell you that like it's constantly like 95 feeling like, like 100, 102. It's, it's not, it feels great for the arm, but I mean, it will definitely take a toll on your body quickly, but I mean, yeah. I like it. Yeah, no, I totally get that. All right, let's transition over here to your first college season. So you just finished up with year number one at Dickinson University. So what do you think was probably like the biggest transition you had to make from going from high school ball to college? Um, high school to college, obviously the level of competition. Um, like in the Central League, you'll see a few guys coming on each team. And whether that be Division One, Division Two, D3, Ju- JUCO, but like this, you're just seeing pretty much a bunch of dogs. Like Johns Hopkins has seven Division One transfers in their starting lineup, and so that was like a huge, um, that was a huge like change for me. It's just like the level of competition was just like another notch up, and then also just like uh, the zones, honestly, too. Like in high school, I was probably getting inner white, and this one is black to black, pretty much. It's a true, it's a true zone, and so um, you couldn't really. I couldn't spot up like as well as I wanted to because I was like transitioning still to the smaller zones. But now I kind of have like, a grasp for it, especially playing in the summer league here. I have more of a grasp for it now, but it was definitely a harder transition there. But also like um, another like change was just like everyone was invested in baseball, like high school ball. You got what well, we probably had 17 guys on the team. And who knew how many of those guys actually cared, like, how we did. Um, but this team was, like, 40 guys all who want, or like, hungry for wins. So that was definitely a big change, too. 
Yeah, and, and was it weird playing, at this point, probably about double the amount of games you played in high school from both Centennial play and also the out-of-conference games? I mean, it was definitely weird, like, but I kind of enjoyed it. Like, it just made, I don't know, made my schedule a lot, like, easier. Like, being able to base it around baseball was, like, super nice. Um so, like, playing – well, I would pitch, like, once a week for high school, and I would do the same for college. But just going to so many games for college, it was, like – it was fun, but, like, it also took away from, uh, like, oh, you lose one game. It doesn't really matter because you have, like, another 39 to play. But if you lose one game in high school, like, that's a big – that's a big, like, loss. So, but, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed the – like, the 40-game season. Okay, so – like the 40 game season was definitely nice. Like I liked it a lot. Um, especially being able to travel like these cool places. Like we went down to Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, we went down to Winter Haven, Florida for a week, week and a half. So that was really cool. Playing a lot of baseball was definitely fun. Um, but it was a grind. It was definitely a grind. Yeah, that's a big adjustment for your body to make, both mentally and physically at that point. Uh, one thing I did want to ask that I, I've really enjoyed asking people so far is what was it that made you end up picking Dickinson? Like, was there anything specific while they were recruiting you that you liked that kind of made it stand out? Um, well, I mean, the academics are really good. That's a that's what I was looking for is, like, really good academics, but also, like, competitive baseball. And Centennial Conference is obviously a very, very good conference, and that's for all of D3. Um, but then also our training facility. Our training facility was huge for me. Like, it is a – it is definitely competes with it's one of the nicest division three facilities you'll ever see. Um, but it also competes with like the lower end division ones too, like easily. It is a, it is such a nice facility and a total blessing. So that like put that past all the rest of the colleges. Yeah, no, that's, that's completely understandable. So when you went in, in the fall, you know, cause when we're talking about high school, like we're not really practicing in the fall, like unless it's kind of just on your own, you know, it's fall is time for another sport. So when was it that you kind of realized when you got there, like, okay, like this isn't high school anymore. Like this is legit. So the fall I like went in and honestly, like I did really, really well. And, um, uh, like I realized like we weren't in high school anymore when we started like playing actual games in the fall, like in, um, and like having competitive series between each other, like, uh, in high school, fall was for another sport. Fall in college was training for baseball six times a week, playing against each other once or twice a week, somewhere around there. And I mean, it was just totally different. But I like I still loved it though, being able to just like train baseball specifically. Yeah, it really helps with the preparation there. So you come off a season where you were the Delco player of the year. You had just insane numbers both on the mound and, and at the plate. So was it was it kind of hard for you going in, you know, to a place where pretty much everybody was one of the better players on the field in high school? And not to say that, you know, you, you thought you could kind of like coast by, but, you know, was there a time where you realized like, okay, like these guys are all, you know, here for a reason and it's just I can't just go out and like dominate like I did there? I mean, that thought really, like, never, like, went through my head. I was just, like, I just got to be me. Like, pretty much I was, like, whatever I do, I do. But, like, as long as I'm me on the mound, like, I think I'm going to be fine. And so I never really thought about, like, coasting through anyone. I never thought about, like, 
oh, these guys are like so much better than me. I said like, we're all at the same college. Like I just got to do me. Um, just like being me on the mounds. And I kind of lost that a little bit in the spring. I tried, I was like a little bit different than who I wanted to be like on the mound. I wasn't like what I thought I should have been, but like in the, when I went in the fall, I was like, I just gotta be like who I was in the spring senior year. You still got the uh, pre-workout pre-game tradition. I still, I still do that. Still doing that. And it's working so far. I love the, I go for the buzz on the mound of the pre-workout. It's funny. I remember first baseball game I ever covered, you know, after last year was your first round game against Radner. And you gave me that quote after the game. You're like, yeah, yeah, I didn't really pitch that well because uh, I didn't do my pre-game pre-workout. I'm like, do I, do I put this in the article? Yeah, I really remember specifically like that interview and that article. And I remember, I remember I pitched so much better the second game when I took it. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you said that you, you pitched awful and you threw like six innings and two earned runs. So I think in the article, I said something like, I can't wait to see him when he's on. But I guess that's a good transition into the Strathaven season that you had last year. Both for you and the team, you guys became the first Strathaven team to ever win the Central League and the District Championship. So what did it mean to kind of be a part of that team and that experience? Well, I mean, I guess it all started in middle school. Like we won undefeated seventh grade, won undefeated eighth grade. And then when I got to play my freshman year, I mean, we came second in the Central League. Um, we lost the state championship marble, but like we beat them once. We were one and one against them. And the second when we beat them, we beat them like pretty well. It was like 17 7, I think. And so, like, just progressing through that, like, I was like, I know we're going to be good. And like, when we brought up, especially freshman year, I was like, we brought up a bunch of freshmen for playoffs. And I was like, okay, like, we're going to work around this core. Like, we're going to be good. And then sophomore year, we like, where were we at? But we were still really young. Obviously, junior year got taken away from me. That I think we would have excelled that year as well. But then senior year, like, you saw our team. We graduated, what, 10 plus seniors? And when you have 10 plus seniors in the team, you know you're going to have a good team. And so, like, pretty much just, like, we just went out and played ourselves. Like, Feely, um, like, just, like, let it – he knew we were going to be good and he just kind of let us do our thing. We played really freely. And I think that really worked out for us, like just letting us play like we knew how and how we played together. And like we just like knew each other so well that like our um, team chemistry was like above anyone else's because we had played together so long. And so we just like played like we knew how and that worked out really well for us. It's funny looking back on that team now, there were not many guys who went on to continue playing college baseball. It's off top of my head, you uh, most likely Sam Milligan, you know Christian Thack at Syracuse. I'm I'm obviously blanking on some of the team, but it was it was it was very impressive how you guys were able to have that type of success. Well, no, Brad Mutz and Chris Felder. Oh, duh! How could I how could I forget a Mutz? Man, Luke's gonna kill me for that one. But uh, where's uh, where's Felder playing? Um, SUNY Maritime. I yep. saw something about yeah, the right. fall about him, and he he was doing really really well in the fall. I didn't see much about his spring, but. I know fall, yeah, like freshman, uh, freshman uh, player of the fall or whatever. And then Brett um, was a dog at Mercer. Yeah, they made it all the way to the World Series, right? He pitched super well. I mean, he was a straight-up dog there. Yeah, I can't wait to see where he ends up, you know, whenever he's done with Mercer. I mean, hey, lefty pitchers with those thin-wired glasses don't grow on trees. <laughs> 
Right, so I think the question that the people really want to know is, will you be making a late season return to the Wayne baseball team sitting at 13 and one right now? Dude, I want to. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to make it in time for playoffs because what winter playoffs? It's like late July, probably early August for us to start. That's literally exactly like when I come home. So you got to get your eight games in. I mean, I would have loved because I, I got to go on the golf outing. You know, I have never golfed in my life before, and I can currently barely walk, uh, but I will be there to hopefully celebrate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember texting feelings like, oh, are you around for the summer? And I was like, no, I'm going to be down here. And he's like, okay, dang it. And then I hear, like, the rumors that, like, our pitching's going to be a little low, like, here and there. And then I'm just, like, keeping up with Wayne. I follow them. I get, like, the emails and stuff like that. Oh, I see. Like, I see the Delco page. I'm like, they're 13 and one. Like, what was Feely talking about? Yeah, he was able to uh, to snag some late reinforcements. We got this kid, Ant Ely, who uh, who is going to Seton Hall next year, who's let up, I think, like one run on a solo home run in 20 innings. And then Cam Mathis is back, you know, from Nova, and he's absolutely pumping. So it's it's been it's been fun to watch. Is the rumor true that Alden is back too? I believe he is currently hurt right now. Uh, I know he was up in the Cape Cod League for a little bit, but he's back down now. I think he's having some arm problems. Don't hold me to that, though. We got our guy uh, CT playing third, though. Yeah, he's been sending me. He's been sending me some updates. You got the All American Luke Mutz. Now, did you get to face Luke this year with Dickinson? No. So I pitched. Um, so we played Franklin Marshall. And a doubleheader on Tuesday, Friday, and then Swarthmore on Saturday. And I pitched in the Friday game against Franklin Marshall. Came in there, and then we faced Swarthmore, and they kicked the shit out of us. It was, it was awful. Um, but after the first game, he comes up to me, and he's like, dude, please tell me you're not pitching the second game. Because he was – I don't want to say he was, like, crapping his pants. That, like, if I came on the mound and I struck him out, like, he would never hear the end of it because it's obviously true. I would literally never let him forget that. Um, but, yeah, I never got to face him, which I'm a little disappointed about, but it happens. Yeah, I remember last summer uh, when when I faced you in the Delco League, I got a base hit, and you looked at our dugout, and you're like, he is never going to let me hear the end of this. And for me, that's not usually true because I don't talk too much shit because it always ends up coming back to bite me. You know, I'll get struck out the next time, so I, I keep it low. You played Darby. You played for Darby, right? I did, yeah. So I was talking to Grayson a few days ago, and we were actually talking about when I faced you guys and you guys shelled me. And he was saying, like, oh, like, everyone on our bench was, like, so hyped because they, they were, like, it's, like, the revenge tour. Because, like, that, I was named Delco Player of the Year by then. And they were, like, screw this guy, like, Delco Player of the Year who? And I'm, like, all right, I, was, I just, like, graduated high school, man. Yeah, I think, I mean, that was probably the first time I ever faced you just because, like, the age gap that we have. And I remember being like, yo, I feel like he was kind of like throwing a little bit harder during the high school season. But I kind of figured like I just tired at this point. Like, that's a lot of innings on the arm. But I still think if we faced you guys in the finals, it would have been a lot tougher matchup because because you guys, you know, you guys stroked the ball and and Aston wasn't, you know, exactly the best hitting team compared to their pitching. So it would have been interesting. I remember facing Aston and we lost one zero because I gave up. We've. We, I don't even know who we faced. We faced some like ex minor leaguer who was like running up to like probably low nines. Yeah. 
and we lost one zero. And I remember I left a slider on the inside corner and some guy turned on it. I was freaking pissed. Yeah, that, that pitcher, Chris Murphy's like one of the best pitchers in PSAC conference history. He got drafted by the Astros. And, and I remember thinking during the game, I'm like, yo, is this like even fun for you? <laughs> I mean, look at Johnny Gonzalez. He's still in the league having fun. Yes, your uh, Dick Sporting Goods Finals MVP right there. All right, the last thing that I want to ask before uh, you head out here is you just finished up your freshman season at Dickinson. So what do you have for both personal and kind of team goals for what you want to accomplish during that sophomore season next year? I mean, so personal, um, I'd love to be a top four starter on the rotation. Um, I think that's totally possible. I think by the end of July, August, I'll be running my fastball up to 90, 91, hopefully. Um, uh, so, but then like team goals, I mean, we haven't made playoffs in 15 years, something around there. Yeah. It's been a long stretch. Um, and so like, I mean, that's the goal we were last year, we went 10 and eight, we were tied with the third and fourth team for record, but head to head, we didn't get there. So, I mean, it's just like making playoffs and then we'll see what happens from there. I think we bring back a really good staff though, really a pitching staff. I mean, we got some dogs coming in who are freshmen. I know I know the freshman class pretty well, and I know that they're definitely going to be a big impact. We definitely got some returning leaders. So I think we're definitely going to be a team to mess with this year. But definitely the first step is going to be um, figuring out our best nine, figuring out our top four pitchers, um, and hopefully making playoffs. Are you still going to be training anywhere in the area when you get back? Once I'm back in August, I'll train in a sand with Rob. Yeah, definitely. But the, I don't know if I'll shut down my arm because I probably will run it up to – I'm at like 17 or 18 innings right now. I'll probably get to around like 25, 30-ish by the time I leave home. I probably have another two or three starts. Um, so I might take like a two-week break from throwing, just like the arm rests a little bit. Um, and But also like train pretty hard at ascent and stuff like that. I always like – talking to hitters and talking to pitchers about stuff like that because you know there's really no like that kind of shutdown you know type thing for us it's kind of just whatever you can do and it, it always amuses me yeah i mean my arm can only take so much uh i don't want to get injured i don't feel like getting tommy john or anything like that yeah like i can speak from experience and say uh any tear of the ucl even partial absolutely sucks it's a bit more embarrassing when you're a first baseman uh but it, it still hurts the same no, they're definitely not. I had like an, so when I was younger, I had like an avulsion fracture in my elbow. And so it's pretty much when the bone uh, comes off your elbow and it's Tommy John, but for when your bones are like super weak and your ligaments are stronger. So I was 12, so I have a screw in my elbow now. Yeah. The avulsion fracture is what's going on with my ankle right now. Oh, so, really? Yeah. I tore ligaments as well as having the the fracture so it's a mess down there we just got to be ready for march that's all that matters Jeez. yeah we have so many people come to tryouts that we legitimately only play like one series in the fall we just don't have time or field space i mean you guys probably even have even more after making the world series run oh yeah 100 percent. i mean i bet kids will honestly just like kids who are like in the brink between playing baseball and going somewhere we'll go to penn state and be like i'll just play for this club team like they're gross 
Yeah, and it's also possible, you know, to have some guys both go from the varsity team down to us or vice versa up to the varsity team. So that's pretty cool. All right, well, I guess that's uh, that's all I got for today, Cole. Thank you once again for joining the show today. It was great to catch up, and I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully we'll see you over at Devon Prep to, uh, to hopefully pour some champagne by the end of August. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there sophomore, junior, senior year. Don't worry. Right. I'm, I'll make my place. All right, man. Sounds good. Take care. See you, Brent. All right, thank you once again to Cole Peichel for taking the time to come on the show today. As a Strathaven alum myself, it was really cool to be able to watch last season the type of you know run that they had, both to win the Central League districts, to, to states I made it to all the district playoff games and the states game at Villanova and you know it's a lot of pride that comes from it it's a Strathaven program that compared to a lot of schools in Delco it just hasn't been around as long Strathaven didn't even exist until I think it was the 70s or 80s maybe because it was two different high schools and you know it's it's just a credit to what they've what they've been able to do and and especially this year as well making it to the district championship making it back to states it's it's great to see that you know, program on the rise. And it's something where I'm obviously when it comes to covering games and stuff, I'll of course be unbiased and, and whatnot. But you know, it's, it's something where, you know, you you naturally want to root for the team you played for. It's just, it's just how it goes. And I'm not going to try and, you know, favor players one way or another. I, I try to have people on, you know, from as many different areas as possible. But that will, uh, that will bring an end to episode four of Delco Baseball Now. I appreciate everybody taking the time to tune in today. We've got another great interview coming in the next episode. We'll see you then.